this uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue, Blue podcast. podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As those your host, Brandon Joe, and my host, Dan No Nick. Uh, apparently, when you're important in your company, you get pulled into last minute meetings when they needed the big, the big guy. Sealed the deal. They brought in the closer, Nick. So he's not with us. Dinner and cocktails? Is that really? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it feels yeah. like he found a way out of this podcast recording because it's Burnley. It's a Burnley match preview. It's a bottom of the table team. It's a relegation father. I get it. Come up with all the excuses these days. Yeah, I would uh, love for someone to whisk me away for dinner and cocktails. But here we are instead recording, and I'm looking forward to it. But yeah, in case anyone is uh, curious, it is the Burnley match preview which is who we will be taking on at the weekend. So before we get into the match, we're going to look at Burnley's status. How are they doing so far this season under Sean Dyche? Uh, we'll look at the Chelsea side. Uh, far more questions than I think we wish there were at this point, but obviously we'll talk about it, and we'll do our predictions per usual. But anyways, before we get into it, Dan, we have some shout-outs, and we asked for the shout-outs, and we got opportunities to give some shout-outs. We did. We had wonderful Apple Podcast Reviews. These are the five-star reviews in Apple Podcasts. We talk about it at the beginning of every episode. We want to thank Apollo Fish from the United States, Colorado Josh M., and then also C. Kate's 19. All leaving wonderful five-star reviews in Apple Podcasts. We're counting at home. That's 15 stars right there. Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Go leave your Apple Podcast review. Take a friend's phone. Take a coworker's phone. Leave a five-star review. Leave a shout-out. Complain about the fact... Nick wasn't here, or why not us? And uh, we'll, we'll go from there. All right. Well, that's easy enough. Um, uh, I guess three word match preview. We didn't. We didn't have time. Like, give us a break. It's been. It's been a tough week, so we weren't able to fish into Discord. Um, so you're just stuck with ours only. So sorry, but here we are, nonetheless. I put it's Burnley lads. That's right. Taking uh, an old joke from Sir Alex Ferguson talking about it's only Spurs lads. Uh, same kind of deal here, Dan. It's Burnley. Uh, should we struggle with them? No. Will we? Probably. So I'm just going to try to speak ease into existence. Uh, okay, here, here's one. Shoots and ladders. Okay. Because these are teams going two diametrically opposed directions. One team, like Chelsea, is climbing the ladder to the top of the Premier League table and looks to stay there and move faster. And one of these teams in Burnley is taking the shoot down to the championship if they continue in our current trajectory. What are the odds that we play the 20th, 19th, and 18th place team in the league in three consecutive weeks? Well, we probably were planning on at least one of those teams being there. Burnley has been historically a little upper mid-table uh, versus absolute bottom. So, you know, I think that we've uh, thankfully lucked into having some teams in poor form as well as being in very good form ourselves, considering that we had a flawless October in the Premier League. Um, I, it's just, again, like the way the stars align to actually play the 20th, 19th, 18th place team in a row is is kind of goofy, but, you know, whatever. Funny, funny nonetheless. Um, but yeah, as we kick it off with, uh, you know, the Burnley side of it, uh, like I said, they're in 18th place. Ain't going great, even though Sean Dyche just signed an extension. Uh, they played 10 matches. They've won one. They've drawn four, and they've lost five for a whopping seven points and a negative six goal difference. It ain't great. The one thing I was kind of looking through this one, Dan, is A, 
Um, their only win in the Premier League was against Brentford, which was this past week, and it was 3-1, which, again, Wild as we were, result. Yeah, as we were talking about what the hell was going on with the table last week, uh, this was a big shocker. Um, they've had close results, and what's weird is they've been able to score some goals, but they, they cannot, cannot keep, keep a clean sheet. And I, that's obviously going to be something that Chelsea need to exploit. Which is weird. They have Nick Pope and Tarkovsky back there, but clearly that's not enough. Well, the only time that they kept a clean sheet was against Norwich. <laughs> I mean, like, that's, no, no. Uh, that tells you just how challenging it's been for them. And uh, you know, I think you're right. Like, Nick Pope uh, frequently connected to Chelsea in the pre-Mendy era, uh, but uh, no more. Uh, we were in secure hands at the moment. I, They're just a... They're an average to below average side in a lot of areas. And, you know, this is the part that gets clipped if we lose or have a really tough game. And, like, to their credit, Burnley are notoriously tough to play against, particularly more so at home than than away. I just with the way we've been playing, I guess I'm not super concerned. You know, I mean, that's just this is kind of where we're at. Like, we've got a little bit of swagger. We got a little bit of bravado and. You know, these are the types of matches against the bottom two, bottom three that you need to keep on winning to get three points and continue to stay atop the table. It's kind of funny. So Malmo was the last match we played in the Champions League. He's only one nothing away, you know, so you, you do have a little bit of jet lag and traveling there. And then you look at the other cup match was Southampton in, in the EFL Cup, you know, which is 1-1, one, one, one on penalties. And you're like, well, the cup stuff isn't necessarily going great, but the Premier League for the most part is. Remember, like Norwich was seven nothing, obviously the red card. Newcastle three nothing. It's a little slow. I could see this match taking a little while to get going. You know, Burnley are going to be tough to break down. Chelsea are going to have to try a lot of different things to kind of ruffle their feathers and, and see how they can, you know, try to create some some gaps. I haven't looked back to see what kind of goals Burnley have been conceding, um, but I think that would be an interesting thing to look at if we had time. But the XG, right, on for Burnley, they're not a goal threat. Their best XG being 2.2 against Brentford, which let's say you throw out their best result, right? After that, it's a 1.4, right? And that was against Leeds, who we know are wildly open. You know, most of the time they're at a one or less. So again, to me, that's like an opportunity to say the defense expecting a shutout. Going in attack, it's like, okay, we just got to figure out how to break down a most likely tough defensive unit. And that's what we're going to have to see. Um, more of the recent results, Tottenham beat them one nil, uh, drew two, two with Southampton, Manchester city, one, two nil. Again, the two, the zero, zero draw Norwich, but two, two against Leicester city. So they, they've got fight in them, Dan, but again, it just, if you can get that early goal and really just kind of take the, the wind out of the sails, I think that's going to be an important one. The longer it goes nil, nil or worse, the more set pieces we give them, think they're gonna start to build some confidence oh i mean it's as you put it so eloquently in your three-word match preview it's burnley lads and this is the again i it's gonna beat beat a drum here like there there's not necessarily the the player profile of individuals here i mean josh brownhill was a fpl favorite from people for being a 4.5 midfielder you know, Ben Mee in the past has been, you know, generally reliable when Burnley have been there, their toughest over the past couple of, of FPL seasons. Jay Rodriguez has been someone who does have, to his credit, you know, goals. I mean, this is not Norwich who are not scoring, 
Like, this team has found ways to score against teams like Leeds, uh, you know, like Brighton in the first week of the season, which is a credit because not a lot of teams have been able to nick a goal past Brighton. So they, they do have some creativity here, but my thought is that they will look to play us on the counter. They will look to try to be tough, try to kind of break into the tackles, try to take advantage when we're high the pitch and have committed men forward. And that's really going to be, you know, then incumbent upon our squad to to break down that, you know, back eight, back nine that they're playing with. So the big one right now is, is Maxwell Cornett from an offensive, um, you know, threat. He seems to be to be up there as a, a very pacey attacking player to create some chaos. Uh, he's leading their their team with with four goals. Chris Wood being second, which you would kind of ex- expect. Then you've got the Matthew Lowton and James Tarkovsky and Ben Mee, the the third, fourth, and fifth leading goal scorer on the team. All defenders. To your point, Dan, set freaking pieces. That that's where it's going to be. You got Ashley Westwood out wide. You know, whipping whipping the ball in. Uh, Matej Vidra. He's uh, kind of the most dangerous threat per ninety. Uh, is one of the wide forwards. And so it's it's going to be not a lot to lock down, but you still have to do it. Um, again, Ashley Barnes, Chris Wood being obnoxious, big bodies up there. You think Rudiger is going to have any issue with that? I think Rudiger will enjoy this match. Yeah. <laughs> Rudiger enjoys a good tussle. And yeah. this is the type of team who, uh, no surprise, loves to throw in a challenge, loves to throw in a tackle. Absolutely. Well, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to flip it over to Chelsea. And then we obviously have the Chelsea youth update as well. So thanks to sponsors for financially supporting the show. And we'll be right back. All right. So coming out of the flip side, uh, we've got some exciting Chelsea news that broke today, Dan, a uh, day of recording. Uh, obviously, we have posted our congratulations and celebratory tweets and posts by now. Uh, but Chalaba contract extension. Trevor, get in. This is exciting. This is probably the end of the pursuit of a, you know, center back from the La Liga team of the year from last year. The rise of Trev Chalaba, very, very exciting. Exciting that he gets a little four and a half year extension here to continue the great run of form he has, continue to build upon the trust that Thomas Tuchel and the Chelsea hierarchy have put in him. And look, I mean, he has been the the rising star in the team this season and credit to him for taking the opportunities early when he was the first available on the team sheet, because we, again, Chelsea play with a lot of international stars who played deep into competitions during the summer. And that meant people had a little bit of longer of a time to get back in the team. And as we've seen it before with, you know, some of the players during the transfer ban that had become institutions of this current squad if you take your opportunity and you're talented enough, if those combine at the right moment, you can really create an opportunity and pathway for yourself. So I just think in general, Brandon, this is super exciting to continue to see that common pump pipeline alive and well. And I, I do think it's super realistic. Like one individual from the academy becoming a squad player or kind of a permanent member of the, you know, the 22-25 every season, that is that's the model. That is a wonderful way to see this happen. I think one a year might be a little aggressive. Every other, I think, is fair. 
but I, I like the idea, right? How about this? At the end of the day, this is a reward for what he's done, right? It's not a token contract that we're like, oh, we got to keep him down. We're just going to lock him down so we can loan him out and flip him. This is very much a you've done so well with the opportunity. You've earned this. Let us go ahead and get this to you now and not wait around. Um, but when you saw Defender Signs extension, did you think it was him or Christensen? Well, I was hoping it was Christensen or Rudiger, but look, Silva. you know, now they're, now they're just doing a reverse order. So they got Chalaba first, now they can get Christensen, then they can get Rudiger, and then they can extend Silva and, and get Asby done. You just, you're good. You're good in the next season. Let's just get it done. Yeah, very, very exciting. And then uh, we had Mr. Stick hitting us up and say, how do we feel about Pulisic being called up for the U.S. men's national team? Now we know why Nick is not here. He is avoiding this one. Uh, he put the tweet out. Uh, and then even put a voice note out as well to follow up. I didn't listen to it. I don't know if you have. I didn't, Dan, I didn't realize the kids still did that. That's it, uh, well, it's not really a hip move by Nick Verlaney. A Mr. Social himself. So uh, Mr. Six says, as an American, I'm excited. And as a Chelsea fan, I'm terrified personally. I, I think that's fair. You know, the U.S. just announced the roster. Um, we kind of touched on it last episode a little bit or whenever we recorded. Um you know, I, I'm worried about his overall fitness, which will directly affect both teams, Dan. So I think we kind of have a, a foot in each bucket. Uh, the fact that they have to play Mexico, obviously, is a huge one since they're leading the hex. And the U.S. haven't, unfortunately, haven't taken care of business like they should have so far in qualifying. So we need points. And that puts a lot of pressure on Burhalter uh, to have to call in his best players, even if they're not at 100%, which is a shitty situation. It is not ideal, as you have so well put it in that uh, previous sentence you just had. I think in general, I am more of the mind that it's really unfortunate that he got called up because I don't think he should play, uh, particularly against a Mexico side that uh, will not necessarily take it easy on anybody. He has not had a good history of repetitive injuries, rushing back potentially, and then not and getting injured right away again, and then not being able to regain fitness for a long time. And if he's hoping to play in that World Cup and be fresh for it, play a contributing role in this Chelsea team for the remainder of the season or through the the winter period that is bound to be chaotic and potentially title deciding. I mean, you know, typically the team who is first in the January period is the team that is most likely to go on and win the league. And you'd like to hope that we are the team that's, that's there. I just think it's maybe a touch irresponsible. I get where Burhalter is coming from. You want your best players, but you would hope that they assess it right. And that they make sure that for the prolonged health of Christian Pulisic, that he and his camp and the physicians will assess it appropriately and make the right determination here and not force anything. I get that, um, you know, they're forced to look at short term. But again, it's just it's it's frustrating that look, I don't it's probably no secret. I'm not a big fan of Berhalter. I don't think he's a good coach. I don't think he's the one to lead us into a World Cup. I think if he takes us there, we're in, in big trouble. Um but it just goes back to the total fitness. So what he is hoping for, he is hoping that he can run Christian into the ground, get out of him what he needs, send him back, you know, bandaged up to Cobham, and then Chelsea will sit on him. And Chelsea will give him the rest. And it's not his fault. This is the classic international versus club 
fight that we've always had. The international manager say, I only get them for a few days, so I'm going to beat the shit out of them and send them back to you. You deal with the rehab. You deal with the break. And that's why club managers say, no, 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 no. I need you to come and stay here because we're building something. I need you to fit my system. It's not new. It's just another example of uh, essentially Burhalter not doing the business and now risking the long-term health of Pulisic. So, um, as we look at lineup predictions and, and knowing where he's at, that Pulisic finally just got minutes for the first time in well over a month. So why not load him up with a bunch of minutes in, in international flights? Uh, what is your lineup for this one, Dan, knowing that Burnley are just a barnstormer? Yeah, I think there's a little rotation that happens, but maybe not as much as as I was drawing it up. I thought there would be. It is the last match before an international break. Some of these players aren't necessarily getting called up or they're in teams that have already qualified for the next phase. So their international break is not going to be as maybe heavy or demanding. Uh, I, I did put many between the sticks. I think that uh, Mr. Four and a half year extension and dinners on him, according to Lukaku, uh, Trev Chalaba in the back line with Christensen and Rudiger. I went with James, who got the midweek off with Conte coming back in the lineup in Jorginho with Chilwell on the flanks. And then I went with giving Hudson Doy the continued run along with Havertz and hopefully, if he is healthy enough, Mason Mount. But uh, that is, uh, you know, still to be seen. But it looks like we have mostly the same lineup here. Yeah. Except for, I don't know why you put Zuma in the middle there. Uh, I don't know either why. Um, I did mean uh, Silva. <laughs> obviously i miss zuma i mean uh, like it's natural that that type of longing he's at you know, he's at he's, west he's ham in case anyone's forgotten that still sucks so i've got uh mendy for sure then christensen silver rudiger uh reese james and Kante, ruben lops his cheek a bit of a hail mary there i could obviously see a Kante Jorginho uh midfield uh chillwell on the outside i don't see a world how you don't play chillwell and james f- like for the foreseeable future they are absolutely on fire. Uh, they're doing everything you could ever ask them for. And they're also defensively rock solid. So maybe Aspie slides into that third center back and Christian back to sweeper or Christensen back to sweeper. Um, but I also understand the club maybe wants to put their new shiny contract out on display as you have in Shalaba. Anyways, I've got Mount Hoverts and Hudson Odoi in the tack. I looked at it too. I just, I, I, no offense, I don't want to see Ziyech against Burnley. I think that's a stupid thing. Uh, as long as Mount's recovered, uh, I think he absolutely goes in right away. Kai Hoverts is going to play because you have no one else. And then Calm Hudson Odoi is on a good streak. Like, play the hot hand while you can, you know, and and make him force you. But like, Ziyech hasn't done enough to force him out. Christensen isn't healthy enough to start, most likely. So, you know, that's kind of why I feel like the tack almost almost picks itself i, I agree i i think you know we, we haven't heard much about uh verner but i mean he potentially could be a surprise i didn't necessarily see him in any of the training videos again we're recording this on thursday pre pre-match press conferences on the friday so you may get some type of surprise news and it doesn't seem as if we've seen lukaku kind of out and about either so in general i would just imagine that you're going with who's available and it's Havertz, it's Hudson Adoy. And if Mount's not available, then you would see Ziesh. But that's kind of the, it really selects itself up front at the moment with those injuries. Mm-hmm. So, score predictions. Kate asking on a scale of Bruce Lee to Jet Lee, what kind of ass kicking will we be handing to Burnley? Woo! Dan, you're the cinephile or whatever it is you called yourself. <laughs> Movie guy. That that is the word. You got it right. It's uh, excellent. Well, I mean, I guess it depends on which version of Jet Lee or. 
Bruce Lee, we are ending up, you know, we're getting. And, uh, I mean, there's plenty of others that we could have gone into, too. Um, uh, I mean, are we talking maybe Way of the Dragon, Bruce Lee? That would be a lot of fun. I would enjoy that. Um, Jet Lee and, like, Fearless or something. That could be fun, too. Like, there, there's a lot of good ass kickings out there. Uh, I just think, in general, it will be any of those ass kickings because we should beat up on this team. Unfortunately, we both went with the 2 nothing result. Uh, I tried to do something different just to be, but I was like, if a one nothing, I'm pessimist. And my whole thing was we should beat Burnley, no problem. I think three is maybe one goal too many for this this team, although we did it against Newcastle. So um, I, I just felt like 2 nothing was the comfortable, doesn't set expectations too high, uh, easy scoreline. You preserve the clean sheet, which I don't see us conceding anytime soon again. And that would be the same as what Manchester City and Liverpool did this season. So, which, you know, again, I think the Burnley team, you're, you're going in with a negative one XG to start because <laughs> they are just going to defend like crazy. Uh, I mean, there's not, there's only been one game where they've had more, sorry, two matches where they've had more than 50% possession. That was the win against Rochdale and the win or the draw against Norwich City. So, you know, in general, they're in the 30 to 40 range. They're not coming to have the ball. They're coming to make our lives difficult as hell. And so two goals against Burnley kind of feels like four against a team that actually plays football. Yeah, set pieces, long throws. I mean, that is their uh, their, their bread and butter. Uh, one inconceivable prediction. Uh, I did say that Pulisic scores again. Obviously, that would be off the bench. So that way no one tries to like debunk my prediction against my lineup. Uh, Dan, I need you to make this happen for your prediction. Well, I would love to see Ruben Loftus-Cheek score a goal and continue that long tweet that we've been writing with the number with the names of every goal scorer for Chelsea this season. So we should just continue adding names to that, and it'd be great to see Mr. Ruben Loftus-Cheek add himself to that list. Uh, I think it would actually be just like your prediction, though, off the bench, because I do not necessarily see him starting this match. I, I think we didn't necessarily dig into that too much, but... I'm probably more likely to go with Jorginho for 90 versus Ruben for 90 at the moment and continue to let Ruben just, you know, get himself back into this fully. Um, even though, I mean, he had a good game against Malmo. You know, I just, I'm worried. I, I, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm overly protective of Ruben right now. I Like, I threw him in my lineup. I'd love to see it. I would love to, uh, to uh, you know, make it happen. I think there's a, a good option for him and, We'll have to see how it goes. Uh, we're going to kick it over to myself and Phil, though. We, uh, as usual, have a great Chelsea youth update. Uh, all three teams played. Um, so we're going to go ahead and bring in the results. We also did talk about Chalaba uh, signing his extension. So some great stuff. So over to us. All right. Here we go with the Chelsea youth update. Another one. And Phil, we got a three-match week to review, which is always, always a fun time. So thank you, as always, for joining us. Uh it's a pleasure. I'm not sure the last time there was any fewer than three matches per week. It never seems to end, but that's uh, the brilliance of youth football. There's always something to talk about. And in a week that Trevor Chalabar has signed a new long-term deal at Chelsea, it's always good to reflect upon the good work that the academy does and to look, take a look forward as to the players who may follow him in the years to come. Big, big news breaking the day we record. Trevor with the big five-year extension. Excited for that and well-deserved, might we add. But if we go ahead, let's kick it off with the UEFA Youth League, technically the U19s, they played Malmo. And uh, if you remember, it was a bit of a tight affair the, the last time we played at 
uh, I guess, in London, Phil, but not this time. No, not at all this time. Uh, you may remember at Kings Meadow in match day three, Chelsea won four two, having been two 0 down at one point. Uh, that was probably a fair reflection of the difference in quality between the two teams on the day. This time around, over in Sweden, Chelsea won five uh, nil. They probably weren't as good as the five nil scoreline reflects, but they they made it count when they when they had to. Uh, Brian Thiabema continued his recent good form with two goals just before half time. That sort of killed the match as a contest. Malmo had a goal disallowed shortly before the hour, and then Chelsea went down the other end, made it three nil through Lewis Hall, and that was that. The game completely died after that. Alfie Gilchrist scored uh, his first goal at this level, and then Charlie Webster scored a really nice volley at the end. It was a good opportunity for some of the younger guys to come off the bench, Leo Castledine and Louis Flower. They both got some minutes. And it all really comes together now for match day five, back at Cobham in a fortnight, or slightly after the international break, sorry, where Chelsea will host Juventus essentially for the right to win the group. Match day six may affect that, but you'd like to think both teams would win. Chelsea currently trail Juventus because they lost in Turin on match day two. They'll need to win this one to take over. And as I've mentioned before, if you win the group, you qualify for the last 16 of the competition. If you come as a runner-up, you have to go a playoff against one of the eight teams that come from the domestic champions path for the right to go into the last 16. So they're on course. They are... They've won three from four, but it'll all come down to this game at home against Juventus in three weeks' time. That is way tougher than the uh, the senior team's group. <laughs> it is, and it's it's one of those things that, I mean, Chelsea probably deserved to lose out in Turin, and that's the way it was going to go, but you, you'd always back them to put up a better showing back at home. You meant... The old adage goes in these in these groups. You win all your home games and pick up points that you can on the road. You you set yourself well. So they they beat Zenit at home. They beat Marmo at home. Juventus will round off their home slate, and they'll be they'll be hungry to win that one. All right. Well, uh, still great great progress from them. Uh, good to see the goals continuing to fly, which is always fun. Uh, but if we flip to the the Dev squad, they drew one one with Everton this past Saturday. Uh, it was early and it was a late. And I you can't emphasize this enough, Phil, how late that Jaden Wareham equalizer was, was it? Yeah, it was right in stoppage time at the end of a game that they will feel that they deserve to take at least a point from. They should probably have taken three, but such is the way football goes sometimes. Uh, they hit the bar in the first half with George McEachran. They had chances. Dion Rankin almost scored for, with a mishit cross from the right. Lewis Baker had chances. And then they found themselves 1-0 down, a bit of a sucker punch early in the second half. And the game at that point takes on the shape of how long can Everton hold out against increasing Chelsea pressure. And Chelsea bring on extra strikers. They brought on Jay Wareham, uh, who eventually got the stoppage time equaliser. Very... Typical opportunist poacher's goal, as we've seen from him time and again. Uh, across from the right from Lewis Baker, a set piece. And Wareham found a way at the near post to, to bundle it home. And it continues a, a recent run of, uh, of form on his part. He's not getting the starts, but when he's on the pitch, he's influential. He's making things happen. He'll score goals, gets into the six-yard box, busy. And you'd like to see a few more starts from him. But understandably, when you've got Jude Soon-Sutbell and Brian Fiabema, who's in great form, there's only so many minutes that you can go around and Harvey Vale played in this game he didn't play out in Malmo of course having been on the bench of the first team so you try and balance the minutes out and I think between now and Christmas the fixture list will be a little bit busier so maybe you do see more starts for Wareham but 
Uh, another draw there for Chelsea, and then following that up with the win in Sweden, this group, the Andy Myers group, is now seven unbeaten in all the competitions. They're stabilising. They're not spectacular at the top of their game yet by a long way, but after a disappointing start to the season in September and the defeats against West Ham and Manchester City and Arsenal, they, they've, they've steadied the ship a little bit. They're looking more like themselves and now you can kick on, find your best form. Because there's a lot of potential in this group that still hasn't been realized this season. Well, I mean, that 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 is a scary and exciting thing. Um, but like you said, the dev squad has been a little bit more up and down, I think, out of them all. But you you always do a good job of framing the silver lining, which is which is important. You know, again, it's the key of that name, right, Phil, is dev, which is short for development. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and it's it's a very disparate group. You have seventeen year olds Lewis Hall and Brody Hughes. You've got a twenty six year old Lewis Baker, and fine, Lewis isn't developing at this level. He's here through circumstances outside of some people's control, but he's he's professional. He's handling his business well, and he's having a positive influence on this team, helping them develop. Having been in their shoes once upon a time, however many years ago it was, but you look at. The, the standings in the Premier League 2 table, there's still a lot of games to go. They've reached the knockout stages of the EFL Trophy. They're well positioned to reach the knockout stages of the UEFA Youth League. They're ticking boxes. They might not be headline act, winning games 3, 4, 5, nil every week, but they're finding themselves as a group. And typically when this happens with Chelsea over the years, the second half of the season is a lot better than the first. And that's what you want to see from a development squad. You want to see them learn from their mistakes, learn from their errors, and continue to... Uh, make progress forward yeah well it, it, it it's good uh and and we'll keep it running though as well because like i said we have a third match to review which is the the u18s beating reading three nothing at cobham on saturday uh i won't steal the the headlines here but again just another dominant performance from the 18s continuing with you know chopping changing with rosters and things like that but um uh, a, a comprehensive result yeah, in the end, and it was the, the latest in a trilogy again against Reading. They uh, shared a 3 all draw in the Under-17 Cup uh, a few days before this, and Chelsea won 3-2 in the Under-18 Cup a fortnight earlier. This game really hung on a red card for Reading in, late in the first half. Um, Abraham Kalou was sent off. He um, denied of a goal-scoring opportunity when Louis Flower was in on goal. Chelsea was sort of the better team before that but it wasn't a great contest and you've got a man advantage for more than half the game after that and Leo Carlsadine scored just before half time Louis Flower got his goal just after half time Chelsea well in control at that point and Josh Tobin scored a header late on which was his first youth team goal and very deserved for the captain on the day as well he was involved in the red card with a, a lovely 40 yard ball over the top for Flower he was influential throughout proper captain's performance he's he's moved a little bit between center back and central midfield this season uh, still trying to find a, a role but he's a very he, he's definitely the leader of the team he's plays with an edge and an attitude uh, but also the technical quality you expect to have from Chelsea players so it was really nice to see him get on the score sheet because that gives you a little bit more recognition other than the the simple fact that you're playing well and it's a team that again settling down uh, there weren't so many schoolboys involved this week because a bunch of them were away with the England under 16s at a tournament in France. They welcomed Alex Pacpay back from a long term absence later in the game as a substitute. And really, throughout the rest of November, when the international break is over, they're all gearing up for the return of the FA Youth Cup. Right. Um, again, a, a lot going on, a lot to juggle. Uh, it doesn't make it any easier for, for the team. 
Uh, but love to see that from them. Uh, another one to touch on was the fact that Harvey Vale on the bench for the full men's senior team and probably a little hard done that we didn't get a few more goals and potentially give him an opportunity to get some minutes. But it's what, the second Absolutely. time? Second time, right? The second time, yeah. yeah. He was on the bench against Southampton, a game that went to penalties. We understand that it's a little bit harder to bring him on in those circumstances because you may be sacrificing a penalty taker or entrusting him with a penalty shootout on his debut, which, I mean, he's capable of. He's a penalty taker for the development squad. In this case, though, you're away to Malmo. You've got five subs to use. Yes, you're only one nil up. But to suggest that you need to be two, three or four nil up to to entrust a high-quality academy graduate with a debut isn't something that's ever really set, uh, sat well with me. I think if you've included him in the match day squad, he's there on merit. He's an attacker. If you need to rotate and to rest your players a little bit, especially ahead of another international break, maybe give him five minutes at the end of the game. He's not going to be a defensive liability. He's not going to cost you the match. Uh, it, it happens and his debut will come eventually. But at this time of the season, the number of obvious opportunities you get to give these debuts out will dwindle if you miss them so if you miss the game against Southampton now you've got Brentford in a League Cup quarterfinal away from home before Christmas is that the right environment to hand out a debut in the League Cup no you have you've missed out on the opportunity in Malmo now you've got Juventus at Stanford Bridge match day five unlikely then depending on how match day six looks in St Petersburg that might not be an opportunity either and suddenly you're thinking, okay, we've gone through half the season. He's had the chance to debut, but hasn't got it. And I think you need to be a little bit more forthcoming with the opportunity when they're there because you never know when it comes around again. But I would say that, wouldn't I? Yeah. Um, it, it it seems like he's seems to be the next one on the edge, at least. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there'll be players, let's say the FA Cup in early January, if they get a favorable draw. There'll be one or two others who might fancy themselves getting a chance in the development squad. Depends on the form between now and then, really. Uh, Umbuyamba, for example, he was on the bench earlier in the season. If you need to rotate in defence, if you've got absentees, then maybe he gets a look if Fiabema continues his really good form. If Sunsuk Bell hits form again, we know they've been in and around the first team more under Lampard than under Tuchel. But it, it doesn't take a lot for a player to enjoy a surge of form position themselves at the right time for a favorable opportunity so and that's really the charm of it yeah huh well really cool i mean i bet i suppose the injuries probably help them too you know we've got more attackers down but i mean it right or wrong it is hard to break into a defense so you'd probably say that you know attacking players probably have a an easier ish run regardless but they probably should and it's we don't know how Chelsea will be affected also by the African Nations Cup in January. We we know that we're highly likely to lose Edouard Mendy. And yes, Teddy Sharman Lowe or Lucas Bergstrom will be third goalkeeper at that point because you've got Kepa and you've got Marcus Bettinelli. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Hakim Ziyech does go to the, uh, to the tournament, we don't know with his situation with Morocco, then there's a space in the attacking line. If you have injury strike at the same time, that's when somebody like Vale might get another look. But we're speculating after the fact when he's been on the bench with opportunities to introduce a debut. Hmm. Let's not go into the ZS Morocco thing. That's for another podcast, not us. Um, yes, it is. <laughs> all right. 
Uh, lastly, what are we looking forward to this weekend? It's a very Crystal Palace weekend. The under-18s are away and the development squad are at home, both at Saturday, both roughly 11 a.m. UK time. I believe the development squad match may be broadcast live. I'm not 100% on that. Keep your eye on the Chelsea website and on my Twitter feed. And if it's being broadcast, there'll always be link and information shared for where you can find that. How are you going to pull that off? <laughs> uh, it'll be one or the other. Uh, most definitely. Um, all right. So either way, uh, again, recaps, highlights will be out afterwards. Make sure you check that one out. But nice little London Derby, Crystal Palace being in the southern part of London there. So we'll have to see how it goes. And then obviously uh, the men's team playing at Burnley in... Uh, I'm blanking on who the women play. They just had a big 3 nothing result uh, against Man City in the Cup, which is awesome. So... Um, we'll keep, we'll keep everything, uh, abreast and posted to make sure you guys watch it. But, uh, this is the youth side of it, right? And, uh, this is the fun, fun, uh, up and down roller coaster of success. Uh, again, Trevo getting that extension is a big deal. Harvey Vale being on the bench, big deal. Um, it's just, and then the results are, are flowing in. So feeling, feeling pretty good overall. If you kind of, we're not yet to a mid season assessment, so I'm going to press you for that, but overall, like in the right direction, Phil, uh, I think they are heading in the right direction. Now the under 18s, especially they've been pretty positive this season. They had a couple of, uh, results that didn't go their way, but that's football. Obviously we know the development squad didn't start very well at all, but they've stabilized seven unbeaten you can take confidence from that and you can you can build on it in, in knockout football, especially before Christmas and and then see what the new year brings with uh, an influx of maybe the better under-18s. We've already seen Hall and Hughes push up and there's more to come. Yeah, got it. All right, well, I think that that's probably a good place to... Uh... To, to wrap, send it back to the crew uh, to wrap up the Burnley match preview. And again, thanks, Phil. Go follow him at Chelsea Youth in case you somehow do not know. But that'll wrap us up. Until the next time. Man, that was so good. So, so good. Oh, it was lovely. And thank you so much, Brandon Busby? Brent, Brendan Busby? And Easy. Phil. Wonderful. Great stuff that they had. Brandon, what did you think about that segment? You know what I thought. I crushed it, as usual. Um, before we end, though, you had to throw in this just unnecessary question from our absolute dear friend, Techie Tiger. Uh, have asked, have, for the upcoming break, which European teams will book their spots in the World Cup? Dan, have you looked at the UEFA group stages? There's, it's a mess. There's 47 groups. Well, so, so uh, Qatar, Germany, Denmark, all through. So they are into the next round. Uh, kind of looks like Portugal. They probably end up qualifying. Spain's in, uh, Spain is trailing to Sweden right now by two points. Uh, Italy, I would imagine, over Switzerland. I mean, oh yeah, they're fatigued from winning. Their their level is Switzerland. A little bit of a hangover. Uh, France will cruise. Looks like Belgium will cruise. Denmark are cruising. Netherlands are fighting off Norway, but it seems like uh, they have a chance to lock in. Same thing with Russia. England definitely going to get relegated. Um, and Germany oh, obviously wait, 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 wait to tr- trigger 20 to 22% uh, of our audience right there. No, obviously got to troll a little bit. But no, we have, what, three lines called up. I think it's Chilwell, Mason, and Reese again. So... Uh, want nothing but the success for them. But I mean, Techie, come on, man. Um, there's a lot of teams. There's a lot of groups. I I don't know. I'm no European expert. I've got my own domestic problems. <laughs> Gro- yeah, we, we do. Gro- group F 
with is the one where Denmark has made it through to see Scotland advance into the playoff round. That would be exciting for them. And uh, one young Billy Gilmore as well. So uh, that's one that I probably am most excited to see uh, if they can kind of make that happen. And Group D is just an absolute mess right now because France continue to draw for no reason. So, uh, well, I mean, yes, reasons, but uh, they have made it so life difficult for themselves to uh, to get through there. But I imagine they will. They'll just find a way. Yeah, I would I would agree with that for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know if there's any exciting dark horses in there. I mean, Turkey is trying to to sneak in. Uh, Albania, obviously with Broja, they're trying to sneak in ahead of, of Poland if at all possible. Uh, North Macedonia, keeping it, the the dream alive. Iceland, really kind of disappointing most people. You've got Germany, Romania, North Macedonia, Armenia, Iceland, and Liechtenstein all in the same group. And what a, what a, an interesting collection of teams there, especially from the Eastern Bloc. But uh, I, Iceland, after that great run in the Euros a couple cycles ago, just have not rebounded. Uh, and that is just the way it's going to break for you sometimes. So uh, we'll see. But yeah, if you're out there and you're from a European country and you want to talk about your qualifying, let us know who who you're following. That'd be interesting to hear because uh, obviously, you know, we're a bunch of just uh, uh, Americans over here doing this thing. But uh, I think that's going to wrap us up, Dan. Uh, Burnley, uh, what, 4.30 a.m. for you? You got you to wake up early? Yeah, I might as well. You know, it's it's the last match. It's the last Chelsea match for a couple of weeks here. Nah, so. it's only eight a.m. You'll you'll be good. I have to I have to get it in. Have to you know these international breaks suck. It's, like yeah. I, I just they're awful. They're they're terrible, and I don't like them. No, stop it. Stop it, UEFA. Stop it, FIFA. Figure out something better because these are no fun. The calendar is an absolute mess. Um. But look, heading into the weekend, we we have a lead to protect, right? We're plus three at the top of the table on 25 points. Liverpool is second on 22. Uh, we I would love to not go level on points with them. Um, they'll be taking on West Ham. So hopefully a challenging match for them. If they drop more points, that would be amazing. Uh, Man City on third, taking on the Manchester Derby. They're at United. Uh, so again, hope they can somehow drop some more points, uh, which is great. Liverpool and West Ham playing each other. West Ham are four. City and Man United playing each other. They're three and five. That is great for us, knowing that we have Burnley. So an opportunity to extend the lead of valuable, valuable points on the line. But that's going to wrap us up. Hope you've enjoyed this five-pod week. In case you missed it, Tweeds and Yaz did a great, great, great uh, The Tinkerman podcast, Talking Tactics. Uh, it was an hour and 47 minutes. So uh, Nick said he's going to tee it up for his workout. Might, might be long enough for a couple workouts there, Nicholas. But I hope you got through it. Uh, tweet Depends us about what your workout regimen is. Yeah. Like it may or may not. <laughs> Absolute beast mode, if not. Uh, but hey, enjoy it. All right. Get up. It's 11 Eastern. It's 8 a.m. Pacific. Uh, get to your local pub. Enjoy it with some friends. If you need a group of friends, we'll be on Patreon uh, in our Discord channel and join as well. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do? Keep the blue flag flying high.